again another episode of moped outlaws with mark and greg on the back roads of america vroom shrooman to our doom yes oh man i've got hit by some like of course, 15 minutes before this is going to start, all of a sudden I felt headachy and my stomach's all jacked up. And yeah, shouldn't have shot that heroin before we started. Who'd you kiss that had Corona? Exactly. I don't know. Food. Have you had any food? Yeah. Maybe it was the food poisoning. I hope not. I hope not either. We promise we won't take you into the bathroom with Greg. <laughs> Good thing it's an audio podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, wow. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Right on. It's hot in here. It's getting hot in here. So take off all your clothes. I'm feeling hot. I'm going to take my clothes off. <laughs> yeah. Dad bod. What is it like? A hundred degrees up there? Oh, no, it's not even hot. Like, I shouldn't even have said it. <laughs> Is that some white problems going on up there? <laughs> it's too oh, hot. You're going to go there? My air conditioning broke. <laughs> <laughs> My fan doesn't go on high anymore. <laughs> Got up to 87 degrees. The tap water was lukewarm. I don't want to sweep the pool. (laughs) Why don't you hire someone? (laughs) This is not endearing. We think it's funny, but it's just pathetic. It is funny. (laughs) Pathetic is funny. It must be. That's why they're laughing at me. (laughs) I bought one of those uh, screens for when I get excited. Oh, well, I don't see it. Why? Why? What good is it if it's not being used? Exactly. Fuck you. (laughs) That's some more white privilege. I buy things and I put it on a shelf and never use it. I've got mine. Yeah, but it's not hooked up. What's this then? Huh? Huh? Is that I a pop up. screen? What is that? I get That's up. a pop screen. That's the microphone I'm using with a, a pop screen on it. Nice. Nice. God. It's a nice mic setup. You can have one too for $297 from Amazon.com. Uh, with a camera and a ring light. You know, Bezos is up in outer space right now, looking down at all his workers, 
making sure they're getting those packages packed up and ready in under a minute. And he just took the radiation thing that went through the capsule that he's going to die of Alzheimer's in five years from. Or become a fantastic four. Right. He's going to be, he's going to split into four things and then there'll be Amazon one, two, and three. No, that's how the fantastic four became the fantastic four. They got bombarded by radiation in the space capsule. Yeah. It was some sort of ray. I forget the ray. A gamma ray. Gamma ray. What the fuck is a gamma ray? I don't know. It's almost as good as a spider bite, though. Fuck yeah. Well, that was a radioactive spider. Radioactive. Back when we thought that that pollution could make us superheroes. (laughs) See, this is it. Pollution and bad pollution consciousness is all the fault of comic books. We've been led to believe that pollution is just another form of exalting ourselves, and it's not. Yeah, mutations are good. Mutations are good for you. We are Devo. Let's not think about the fact that mutations also are cancer, okay? Let's think about the mighty Hulk. Green is beautiful, okay? Okay. (laughs) I just saw something that was awesome on TikTok. What was it? You know those big wheat threshers, those like giant threshers that are like... Was just know. mowing through like the city, just mowing people no. down. <laughs> it was like I think it was like thirty feet across the part that turns and harvest stuff, and it was like the big tractor. Nice. It was this big open field, like all you can see for miles, right? It was all weed bud. And they were just harvesting it at this like at this giant level because that's where we're at. Like yeah. the world is finally ready to be on weed all the time. And so this giant thresher was just like harvesting the colas, the three foot colas from this field, like literally like it must have been a quarter of a mile square plus beyond what I could see. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like there, I remember growing up, I was talking with one of my friends who um, went through some real serious cancer, still kind of going through it, but He's in a much better place than he was last year. Anyway, uh, THC, you know, a 5-5 combo THC um, CDM helps him. CBD helps him. And uh, we were talking about, because when we were growing up in high school, his dad thought marijuana was the devil. Like, truly, truly, like, I remember him not treating my friend well and then turning to me with just fire like you smoke that and i was just like fuck no sir no just out of my gourd stoned but and so we were thinking like that was that was a prominent train of thought when we were growing up and now it's medicinal like you say now there's big harvest threshers it's become capitalist you know what? Also, One I think we're going to wake up and realize that Satan is our ultimate doctor. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I never wake up to that madness. <laughs> okay, I'm going to cure you now with this cattle prod in your ass. <laughs> Say cheese. <laughs> um, 
another friend that is a mutual friend of ours I was talking with. And um, one of the things, these giant, multi, multi million, huge corporate marijuana people are trying to do is show that they've been in the industry for a long time. Like they used to be outlaws. They're legit. You know, the fact that they're making hundreds of millions of dollars off you. Don't look, don't look at that. We're, we're, we're real, man. We're with you. (laughs) Don't look, don't look at the corporate. Are you saying Marlboro brand weed? Is that what you mean? No, I mean like, these marijuana industry folks who have built companies very quickly to that level, you know, they're making oh, oh. hundreds of millions of dollars, but they want to brand themselves as OGs. And, you know, we were out in the fields in the seventies. We were. Yeah. The real Emerald triangle farmers just could, were too stoned to get it together on that level. <laughs> they come, they topped out at about like, I don't know. A couple acres, and then it was like that was all they could do. Yeah, there is actually one gentleman that I'm aware of who is on that level of growing. Everyone's got problems. Like last year, one of his crops, or no, the year before, two years ago, one of his crops up north got hit by those one of those fires and wiped him out. And, uh, you know, so it's just there is no easy road. We may it may look easy. Everyone's got their fucking cross to bear. Right. Speaking of I agree. the devil, <laughs> I agree. I, I totally agree with that idea. We all have um, trials, right? That's what we come yep. here for. Yep. By the way, speaking of trials, this coming Sunday, and I'm not clear about the anniversary, but. It has to do with um, Emmett Till. Is that his name? Am I remembering his name correctly? Yeah, I think that's it. Emmett Till. It's not a good story, Mark. Yeah. Go on. um, You're telling it. Well, this story really resonates. And for those of you who don't know, and I think probably most do, it's a 14-year-old man young teenager, young boy, really, who was accused of um, attacking a white woman and he was lynched and brutally beat up and tortured and it was just ugly. And uh, and part of the power of the story, I think, was a choice his mom made to have an open casket because she wanted the world to see what had happened and what was possible. And um, the last piece is like I saw just a recent article where these college boys were standing, had posed with guns by the sign that was put up to commensurate where his body was found. And like they had shot up the sign and they're all smiling and celebrating like good old boys. And And it was a recent article and I just thought it's, it shocks me that that train of thought is still prevalent. Yeah. We're conditioned or some of us are conditioned to 
form our identity around the divisions that are in place and that the ego then takes on the personality as if my I, the who I am is dependent on these beliefs that I've been conditioned to hold on the division like that. It's dependent on the division. I think you nailed it. Like the ego gets into a place where I am best because of my separatism from the whole. Yeah. People want to define themselves as an identity based on these hallmarks. Right. And so if you've got the stars and bars, or your dad has the stars and bars on his wall, then you want to find your validation in emulating that particular lineage of, of thinking and identity. And so you form an identity based on a need to be separate and an ego to, to be something. And you won't look beyond your evidence that proves what you want to believe. You just, we all look for the evidence that reaffirms who we are. Yeah. I love that statement. Um, Don't believe everything you think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just so hard to, to go into a place of trying to be, have an uplifting humorous point of view when you name Emmett Till yeah, because the, of the horrendous things that are part of that experience that, you know, are still happening in way too many numbers that we don't hear about. Yes. And I think my hat is off to the creative force that did, um, what's the show on HBO? Oh crap! And they started off with the um, Ohio massacre. What was it? In the that? Tulsa massacre. Tulsa massacre. Yeah, it yeah, was. They, uh, it was named after a famous science fiction writer. Yeah, what was that fucking show? It was one it wasn't of the Heinlein shows. show. <laughs> the Robert Heinlein, um, and it didn't get renewed, which is. Oh, come on. Well, there was the Watchmen. Yeah, that wasn't it, though. It was... No. Oh, but actually it was Tulsa was the Watchmen. Well, it was both. No, but the one I was thinking of was... um, Come on. I give up. But yes, we're thinking of the same show. And uh, Emmett Till had a... They like part. Okay, so here's my point. Duh. I really respect and admire people who take these very hard things and put them into an entertainment medium, and I find it very palpable to a degree. Like I got educated about. I didn't even know of the Tulsa massacre. You know, I knew of Emmett Till, but I didn't know the a lot of the depth of the story. But it, so. The name of the series, for those of you who are wondering, is Lovecraft. 
That's it. Lovecraft Country. So yeah. good. While while Greg was carrying the weight of the show and continuing to talk and present ideas, I was busily being quiet and looking up the shit on Google because my brain couldn't remember anything. But yeah. And neither can mine, obviously. <laughs> Lovecraft was blabber. challenging and poignant and an interesting juxtaposition of, of all of these different things. And I don't understand why it wasn't renewed. It's an amazing story. Yeah. It's brilliant. Did you, um, so you watched the whole thing. Yeah. I the most powerful. Couldn't stop watching it. Once I started. Once the, one of the more most powerful scenes that still resonates with me is when they're in that cafe and it's painted white and he accidentally scrapes it and sees the brick behind. And all of a sudden they realize like, cause they were looking for that one place that was in the green book and they can't find it, but here's this place. And she comes running out. Is it she or he comes running out? Run at the same time. They realize, Oh, this place got burned. And this is fucking powerful, man. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, there's a big debate going on about critical race theory right now and whether or not we should be discussing it in classes and in history. And it's just so obvious that that's what we need. And in any free society, I put free in quotes, of course, because it's kind of a myth. Um, We should have all of that stuff be part of the discussion. And then people can make up their own minds. The idea that we have to protect children from the facts about the way this country was formed is indicative of the fragile foundation on which it is standing. Yeah. And I think if you look at Grimm's fairy tales, like I grew up with the Waldorf train of thought for educating children and fairy tales and Grimm's fairy tales, Anderson fairy tales play a very prominent part in a very young human's life. And they're, they're hardcore, you know, like the little match girl, she freezes to death and there's just all this, Horror, and I, I believe something Walt Disney understood. Children can understand the dark side of life, the shadow of life. It's, it's good for that to be presented in story. And, um, the cis hetero patriarchal capitalist system can't maintain its power over us. If we understand the truth and are allowed to make the choices because it's based on a whole bunch of lies like social Darwinism and that capitalism or free capital is actually a viable system. It's not. Well, I'd like to find out if someone would send me a big chunk of capital, I'll let you know in a couple of years. Well, free enterprise is great. I'm all for that. But capitalism in and of itself is is not a um, viable system. By the way, that Buffy St. Marie video that you shared with uh, With Bridge. Bridge, yeah, for her birthday. Yeah. That set me on a Buffy tangent. Like, wow, what a woman. I know. Yeah. Like, she's probably the ultimate 60s icon that most people don't really understand. Like, uh, people our age probably know the name. Yeah. But then people that are younger of us don't really know the name. But when you find out what she did with her life. Yeah. 
and how she actually went out and took money and then applied it to help her population, the indigenous population. She turned down certain kinds of fame and fortune because it was all about just exploiting things. And then she went underground for 15 years and came out just blazing criticism of the system. Even her singing style is a revolutionary act. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And part of what she's talking about, like at four, you know, she's creating music and, and, and elementary school teachers are, saying yeah she says like i learned to keep my head down like oh yeah okay that's how music is and then i'd go home and do my music (laughs) yeah she's a badass and at 70 you know i think she's around 70 in that video you shared yeah you hardly notice yeah powerhouse man right yeah yeah brilliant so thank you for that i like to pass on what i'm gifted Thank God for my uncle Doug and all the various people who've educated me about music. Uh, for those of you who don't know who John Trudell is, Buffy St. Marine and John Trudell, like that's your whole month of August. Just go listen to everything they ever did <laughs> and don't listen to anything else. And it'll change you forever. Right? Like, and, and email us your mashups of Buffy St. Marie and John Trudell. Like, go ahead do that. Yeah. You can email us at, host the host what are we hosts at mopedoutlaws.com the host i'm looking it uh, up because uh this is of course it just important. came across the wires you know i should acknowledge you man you've been kicking butt on getting this stuff done really appreciate what you've been doing thanks it was had a good run sunday took a lot of time i think our yeah the email for those of us who want the hosts at mopedoutlaws.com. All right. The hosts at mopedoutlaws.com. That's us. We'll read it. I promise. Yep. We might even reply. Send yes. us a list of guests you'd like us to have on here, too. <laughs> Send us your money. <laughs> Not that I want to be overtly capitalist, but send us your money. More chocolate for the mark. And I'm going to be filling in time with white noise. No, no one wants to hear you mention on a chocolate bar, Mark. What is that? Uh, you know, that became a big thing last year with TikTok and where they like rubbing a feather slowly. Or, what is that called? AMDR. AMDR. Fucking people are stupid. Believe anything. Yeah, AMDR will open up the recesses of your unconsciousness along with purple turquoise and the sun moon rising in your head hole. Uh, I had the sun moon rising in my head hole once it hurt. Bad. I have the sun moon rising in my head hole 24 7. Uh, like my yeah. good friend Jim Morrison said, people are strange when you're a stranger. Wow. I didn't know you knew him. Very well. Yeah. He and I were like this. Hey, Jim, come back. Wait, where are you going? Hey, hey, wait, Jim. You were running towards him and on your three-year-old legs calling his name. Yeah, but he was just driving away in his... He was trying to get to France as quickly as he could to get in that bathtub. Yeah, to get his fix. Heroin. He played at the Mountain Theater. 
Yes, he did. The Doors played at the, yes, yes, the Tamil Pious Mountain Theater. I think that was. Yeah, there's footage of that mm-hmm. floating around. Yep. And I, I heard that they're going to do it again this summer, but it seems to have fallen off. They're going to do it this fall. But I, I think we're going back to lockdown. Like, I don't think there's going to be the whole, like, opening. Like, there's a lot of tours that are planned for October as if, like, October is going to be the moment where, okay, it's all. We've tried opening up and seeing things are stable and vaccinations. But no. Yeah, Are you wearing a mask in stores? Yeah, I'm wearing a mask in stores. I've been teaching summer camp for five weeks, six weeks. We'll, you know, let next week. And I wear a mask every day, all day. I wear it in stores. Um, I've heard several people who are fully vaccinated, get the breakthrough. Um, you know, the Delta, the Delta, the Delta. Hey, have you got the Delta? No, man, I don't have the Delta. Yeah. The good news is most of them are dying. The people that are dying are the unvaccinated apparently. So, um, I, I, my heart goes out to families who are unvaccinated and whether by choice or by circumstances aren't able to get vaccinated. You know, I'm, I don't gloat. Like, even though there's things that I think are intelligent, <laughs> they lack foresight. Right. But I don't want to gloat over someone else's suffering. That's not who I am. That's not where I come from. Now, if I could find a way to be funnier about it, I might try that. And then you could laugh at me for my stupidity about trying that. Gloating is for poker tables and only for the few. Gloating? Gloating. Oh, gloating. <laughs> I'm like, where? show me the gloating zone. Can you imagine? Like, gloating. Par- there's like parks in Manhattan that are, it's like, a, it's painted purple. And you, <laughs> you can gloat there. <laughs> and there's images of prints all over the place. <laughs> you know? He didn't really gloat, but he had a way about him that made it made people feel small. He didn't need to gloat, man. He was Prince. I think. Did you ever watch um, what was that girl TV series with Zoe Deschanel? Yeah, he's yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah, did you see that episode with him? I did. He I makes her they, scrambled eggs for breakfast. Yeah, I thought they captured it perfectly where he wants to talk to them. And then he realizes that, like, they're frozen. And he's all, oh, okay. You know, he, like, you can, and they freak out. Fuck, <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, let's get, okay, yeah, I forgot. Let's get through this. I'm Prince. Go ahead. <laughs> freak out. <laughs> you know, it's interesting when you get when you get to that level where you're so beyond all the ego stuff that's happened to you that you can actually relate to it from that sort of secondary place. And I think Jim Carrey's also done a good job of this. It's like, yeah, I'm Jim Carrey, but who's that? Like, that's just a character that is like at a deeper level, I'm beyond that. And so, you know, I think in that show, Prince is, is pointing to, there's this thing called Prince that he's not actually, that's not who he actually is anymore. This construct that we have in our heads about what it is, what a print, what Prince is for those of you who aren't watching, I made air quotes while I said that. And he's a fucking badass. He's kind of an asshole too. Like the more yeah. I read about it, the more, you know, well, he was hardcore in his twenties for sure. He was going hard 
his business and he cut people. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I think he admittedly, you know, he said like, I'm not going to attach to anyone cause then they can disappear. And then what? And, he had insecurities and he had, he was overcompensating for certain things. And, you know, that's the sad thing about that is that, you know, sometimes that level of greatness is the result of suffering. But here's the thing. We're all fucking human. He was a human being. He was also funny. You talk to friends and they hang out with him. And he was a funny guy. Yeah. Fun to hang out with. So, you know, I'm sure you could, I'm sure you would not have to look hard to find someone to say, right, Greg so. Wilker is a fucking asshole. He is the devil. I've had someone tell me flat out, I was the devil. I think there's only one person in the world that would say that about me, and I'm, I have a podcast with him. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's funny. Really? You don't think there's anyone that, you know, I could search around and they'd go, fucking Mark Went is a dick. Yeah, he may seem Sid, like a nice guy. Sid Belidge would probably say that. Well, no, he wouldn't. All okay. right, so you really... God, that's wild. Like, I can't think of anybody. That's all right. Good for you. That's good. I can think of two people who I'm sure if you asked them, three, three, one of them at the right time. One of them could say I'm really cool, and then the next day they may say I'm a fucker. That's because, you know, I think him. healer actually, if in the right mood could talk about some things that happened between us where I was not the person I'd like to be or like to think of myself with him ways where my own ego really impacted him and undermined his sense of, um, what he admired about our friendship. And I feel it's been generous of him over the years to kind of like move through his own feelings about that. And, and over time it's gotten, it's come and gone, you know, but there are some things, I mean, that I've done that I can talk about. I won't. (laughs) 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 Now we're going into the national inquirer part of our show. This is Mark outing himself about why he's deep down. He's done some asshole things, but guess what? I'm not going to do it. What? Come on. The people want to know. (laughs) Well, good for them. They can keep wanting. (laughs) Suffice it to say, regret isn't quite the right word, but I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned from my own transgressions in the past, because that helps me be the man I am today. And again, our human thing. I think Mm -hmm. that like Chris Deanstog is one of the closest relationships I have in my life. And about a year ago, we had this blowout fight. And I thought, that's the end of that friendship. And I'm okay with that. It hurt. Was It wasn't, I wasn't celebrating it, but what am I going to do? You know, it's kind of like, so we got through that. And I think that's part of the strength of our love for each other. I think like any, well, it's interesting because like this podcast has been super easy to do with you. Like I can't think of a better partner and I'm always grateful for the way we've processed together on this Mm. journey. And I do hear, like I hear um, from uh, Dre and Tony, what's his name? The, you know, the, the guys who did beats, Dr. Oh yeah. Dr. Dre and, and, um, 
I don't know who the other person is. Gosh darn it. Yeah, the producer did Tom Petty and and with anyway. Anyway, you they, so, uh, they, they they're falling out. No, uh, the exact opposite. Their their whole business relationship was based on a handshake, just an agreement, like verbal agreement. And they never had any real problems with it. Yeah. That's because the checks always came through. Well, they did quite well. (laughs) So I have this fantasy that you and I, like six years from now, will be living large and just be like, yeah, it just seemed to keep working out okay. Yeah. Well, I'm loving doing this with you too. And I actually, I can think of one person I'd rather do with it. His name is Dave Chappelle. Ah. <laughs> and that's because I'd be riding his coattails. <laughs> yeah, that fucking guy. Have you heard his podcast that he's He has uh, a podcast? Yeah, but it's a, like a pay thing. I think it's got a paywall or it's on a platform that you have to pay for. Makes sense. He's Dave fucking Chappelle. Chappelle. I know, right? And one of the best stories I heard about him was from Kevin Hart. And Kevin was talking about how he had this show. I think it was in Oregon. It was either Oregon or Washington. I'm not sure. Anyway, and, you know, Kevin Hart does these huge stadiums, and there's a lot of stuff going on. And you hear Dave Chappelle's in town, and he calls up Dave's like, what the fuck's going on? I have a show tonight. And Dave's like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I just travel around, and when we run out of money, you know, I book a show and get some more money. And, you know, and Kevin's like, what? What the fuck? And, and Dave's like, yeah, do you want to, you know, come tonight to the show and guest with me? And Kevin's like, well, I don't know. I could just, you know, I don't end. I would be like 11 o'clock. And Dave's like, oh, no worries. I'll just tell him to start later. And Kevin's like, who the fuck are you? Like, you just ride to your own tomb where I've created this machine that I'm sort of have to answer. A prisoner to. of, right? Right, right. The Beatles, the, you know. Right, right. Oh my God, that reminds me of another great story. I just heard about Paul McCartney. It was, uh, with, um, oh, damn it. I forget the guy who, who was interviewing him, but he said, well, do you think that you write better and perform better now than you did as a, you know, in your youth? And Paul, without missing a beat, went, I was a, I was in the Beatles. <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck are you asking? I was in the world's greatest band. <laughs> I'm never going to top that. You know, it was Rick me. Rubin who was interviewing him. Oh, that, look at you. You heard that interview. Huh? I watched all six episodes. I couldn't really? stop. Oh, dude. Mo- what was interesting about it was, you know, yeah, I wanted to hear about Paul McCartney's stories and Rick Rubin, like asking him cool questions. But they set up like a whole bunch of Beatles master tracks, multi-tracks, and they put them through an analog board, which for those of you who are into music, you understand the difference between digital and analog, I hope. But imagine the the most warm, rich, tape-based sound. No judgment about digital. (laughs) Digital can just glitch my ass, okay? Fuck digital. Anyway, so they're, they're putting these songs up, some of which are like four tracks because that's all they had in those days. Right. Some of which are more, you know, more robust, but there's like Rick Rubin is pushing like 
pieces that have been buried in the mix for centuries that no one's heard. And the insights and the tone, the way it sounds is so rich and gooey, yummy, tasty, chocolatey, delicious, musical yumminess. That was to me, that was the thing. I kept hoping that they would do these things where, yeah, they turn off everything else except the harmony vocals. And now I'm listening to Paul McCartney, John Lennon doing two-part harmony in a way I've never heard before. Or like just the weird background track from Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds with all the shit. Like that, like they did six episodes and I could watch like another 24. What's it on? Hulu. Ah, fuck. I don't have Hulu. Hmm. Maybe we should like get together and watch it together. Or we could pirate it. Not that I'm advocating piracy, but everyone's doing it. So it's got to be okay. Someone said that to me today about something. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure in like 1936 that went over real well in Germany. You know, everyone's doing it. I don't see what the problem is. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't it my mom who said, well, would you jump off a bridge if Steve told you to? Yes, mom, I would. Okay. You raised a dummy. All right. Who's at fault? The fool or the fool who follows. Ooh, Star Wars quotes. I don't get those out of you very much. (laughs) Because Star Wars can. Let's try to do a whole podcast that's just Star Wars lines without saying anything else. Oh, God. That would last 30 seconds before I shot myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not if Greedo shot first <laughs> see I don't even know that reference is that the guy who shot under the table at the you bottom thought you said you didn't know well it all of a sudden it came to me alright in the smoky haze of my youth 1976 77 the strand the strand in San Francisco was it the mm-hmm. strand I don't know so, I wasn't there you were there not me I was there. I you mean, do you mean the coronet in San Francisco? The coronet. That was it. Yep. Yeah. And I had one of the original posters that had the Death Star with the those V looking arrowhead things flying around. <laughs> mm, clever are you? <laughs> and you know what I did with that poster? I have no idea. <laughs> those old posters aren't worth all that much. I mean, some of them are, but. What about the double album soundtrack that had the poster in it? I have no idea. I'd have to look that up. But, uh, you know, one of the great mythos of Star Wars lore is that the merchandise is worth something. Like, the truth is, it's like, oh, yeah, $45. Like, yeah, it cost $24.99 when he bought it. Again, that's the imagination. Like, Candy had these plates that she didn't like, but they said mm-hmm. made in occupied Japan on them. And wow. she was like, She thought oh. that meant they were worth something. Right. And I, I found a Los Angeles Times article that said, no, they're fucking worthless. And then I went on eBay and showed her, yeah, you could get seven bucks for four of them. <laughs> I mean, it's just so wild what we ping our imaginations to, you know? Well, I did that the other day with a Bob Marley picture disc from the album Confrontation. Turns out no one is selling them. No one's selling them. They're not available. You can't buy them. So I'm like, oh, well, I should put it up for 5,000 and see what happens. Did you do that? 
Not yet. I'm kind of busy. <laughs> so you don't really, gosh, if someone offered you 5K, would you take it? If you want to give me 5K for my Bob Marley picture disc, write to us. <laughs> write to the host oh, Greg. at Mope, Mopehead. Mark went at Mopehead Outlaws. Mopehead Outlaws. Um, I want, there's got to be a store that specializes in record appraisal. Well, let's just say the internets didn't yield any available copies for sale. You know how we have little things that we did in life that still pain us? Yes. One that I have is I had the Beatles greatest hits, the blue and the red album Mm -hmm. and the white album that was blue, red and white vinyl. Ooh! I traded them for a Led Zeppelin bootleg. That was shit. (laughs) Wow. So are those things worth serious money? I don't know. I don't. It's enough pain to know that I was stupid. I don't need to know how stupid. Well, it would have been. It would have been great if the Led Zeppelin album turned out to be awesome quality, right? Well, it wasn't. It was shitty yeah. quality, and it was a single album. It wasn't like. And and part and the you know what this begs happened. the question is: one shitty Led Zeppelin album worth three pristine Beatles album? And I think you could make an argument for that and say no. The answer is no. Oh, oh, Greg, on. you were a stupid fucking teenager. You were dumb. Black Dog is fucking ripping. Not on this album. <laughs> it was fucking shit. <laughs> it was like someone with a cassette recorder in the back of an auditorium. Right, it was one of those little art, little Radio Shack cassette recorders exactly, with a shitty little mic. <laughs> exactly. Fucking. Oh, it wouldn't have mattered. And and the here was the thing. I was just dead set on selling these albums. And I went to a place in Berkeley, and like, and they get, said, well, you could do this much cash or this much trade. And uh, you're looking it up, huh? Yeah. You fucker. Now I have to spit in your face. <laughs> Can't even find them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beatles covered vinyl records. Here we go. Red vinyl. Beatles white album. That's just the white album. Okay, so here's the Beatles lot of two LPs with red vinyl and blue vinyl, but not the white album. All right. What's that? Well, the white. I don't see a white album. Oh, look at twenty one. One hundred and fifty dollars. See. Fuck me. I didn't need to see that. It's not that much. Well, it's certainly a lot more than this piece of shit. And that's only for the red album. So now another 150 for the blue album. Right. So now you're up to 300. Wow. Fuck. Here's a version of it for 1550. No cover. Because I found I found the red album greatest hits, but it wasn't red vinyl. Are you sure it's red vinyl? Yeah, it's the, actually it's the blue vinyl one for fifteen dollars. Yep. No cover. No, oh, well, it's a disc. Suck me. 
Fucking stupid, Greg. I'm going to go slap that little bitch. What a fucking numb nut. That, like when people ask you, like, if you could go back in time, what would you do? <laughs> go back and get those albums and say, no. <laughs> when they tell you what they're willing to give you, walk the fuck out of the store. All right. So here it is. The Beatles White Album. Complete. With. Eight o'clock. Vinyl, white vinyl. It's worth a thousand bucks. Suck me. Yeah. What a numb nut. And you know what that Led Zeppelin piece of shit is worth? Who fucking cares? Nothing. It's nothing exactly. Fuck. What a numb. Someday nut. people will be copying this podcast and printing it on blue, red, white, and blue vinyl just so they can have a bootleg copy of it that they can trade for some old Led Zeppelin record. And they'll write to me and say, look what we did for you. Oh, thank you. That just reminded me of life for Brian. The shoe. He wants us to worship the shoe. No, the gourd. It's the gourd. (laughs) (laughs) So McCartney 321 is streaming online on Hulu. It's an amazing experience. If you're into the Beatles at all, I highly recommend it. And even if Um, you're not, Yeah, I was enthralled. Hey, do you know what I learned from Rick Rubin? He doesn't know how to work a mixing board. Well, he was doing a pretty good job of it on the show. Oh, well, then he's lying. He's a liar. That's what I just learned about Rick. I saw him push faders up. But anybody could do that. A five-year-old could do that. Okay. But actually make it good EQ is a whole other thing. Okay. Yeah, he said he just sits back and says, here, put more of that in. I want some more of that. Well, he's, he plays good ears. That seems to be the thing. Right person. You know, he's been meditating since he was 14. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And what? And the reason it happened, he's having some issues. I forget what it was. And his mom took him to a doctor and the doctor recommended meditation Totally foreign to his mom, like whatever, but she, you know, followed doctor's orders if that's what the doctor thinks is best for my son. And I see. And it's interesting because he said it kind of comes and goes in his life, but, you know, it's around for a long period of time. And then so it seems like he's sort of transitioned through different ways he does it. And there's been some stretches without it. But it seems to be a predominant part of his whole life since he was 14. Mm. Well, it was for me, too, but not in a practiced way. Like, I started meditating when I was seven. But I didn't, I, I didn't like, do it since then every day. It wasn't like that. But the, the awareness of it as a, a potentiality. As a practice. Yeah. As a way to pick up chicks. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But you know, when one in the early days of working at Mama's in Mill Valley, when it was still on the other side of that building, right? And I would get super stressed out because it was super busy, and you know, the restaurant business can be nightmarish. I would get my little half hour break, and I would go and sit and breathe and look at the water, the, the, the creek, wow, yeah. And I would just, it would totally change my whole mindset. Wow. You come back ready for the next half. Yeah. Nice. Right. 
come back ready for a beer and a snort. <laughs> Those are the good old days. <laughs> anyway, I'm really excited about this. We're going to be launching August 2nd. Yep. So if you're listening to this, that means it's well past August 2nd. So, uh, like, just so we don't know why that. we're mentioning it, but <laughs> apparently. Because I was born to promote. Like, it's like a knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> and, and by the way, if you are hearing this and you know me in some capacity on a personal level and you do think I'm an asshole, please write to us. <laughs> At fuck you at outlaws moped outlaws. No, the hosts at moped outlaws. The hose at mopedoutlaws.com. The pantyhose at mopedoutlaws.com. The fishnet stockings at moped outlaws. Now we're talking. (laughs) Sure, Kathy would appreciate that. Yes, send them along. I think this is it. We've gone over time again. All right. The recording has ended. Exactly. Recording stopped.